Hi, everybody, and thanks again for coming back for one of our chats. I am your host, Barry Carolus, and you are listening to Pod to Chat, talking dance on the Premier Dance Network. Here, I candidly share my 13 plus years of experience in the professional dance world and my analysis and research on all things dance. Today, I am broadcasting to you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and it's been a really exciting week here uh, for us on Pod to Chat. Not only have we officially launched this podcast, but we are already listed among many other popular podcasts on iTunes as new and noteworthy. And in the art section, we are ranked currently at number 49. We couldn't have made it this far at this point without our viewers. So thank you for downloading, rating, reviewing, and helping us rise to the tops of these charts. Beyond this, uh, Pod to Chat and our sister broadcasts on the Premier Dance Network were also all promoted in some press from Dance Magazine. Dance Magazine is one of the main resources for news on dance here in the United States and beyond, and uh, to be called a go-to resource for conversations on dance by this this magazine is just thrilling for us. We've only just launched this podcast, and it's been really exciting to be recognized as a valuable resource for the dance community and beyond. Thank you so much to everybody who's already invested in our conversations. So be sure to keep telling your friends about our podcast so we can continue expanding our network. And yeah, with with that said, let's move on to talking about dance. So go ahead. If you need to pause, pause, grab that cup of coffee, and let's chat. In today's episode of Pod to Chat, I'd like to discuss what it means to be a choreographer. I feel that a lot of people have an idea of what a choreographer is, but they don't necessarily know what is entailed in the the job of being a dance maker. Uh, about a week ago when I was teaching at the Crash Dance Company's school, the director of the school pulled me aside and mentioned that a bride and groom who were getting married in a couple of months had contacted them to see if they had a choreographer that might be able to create some something for their procession into their ceremony for the wedding and then a little dance to go along with that. After listening to what this couple was hoping to do and listening to the music, the director told me that he thought of me to, to create this special moment for this couple. Um, but shortly after he began conversations with them about the fees and what was involved in creating this moment for them, they ended up pulling out of the, the conversation because they were unaware of all that would be involved in creating this this special moment for them. I don't think that this couple was alone in just assuming that when you hire a choreographer that the fee covers the time that you spend with them. And if you're only spending a few hours with a choreographer, it, it might not seem like you should really be paying them much more than that time that's spent together. But there's a lot more that goes into being a choreographer, or not being a choreographer, but creating choreography than just showing up in the studio, meeting people, developing something on the spot for them, and uh, then setting them free to do their own thing. 
I didn't learn this by hearing this from other choreographers. I actually figured this out on my own. Um, so before I move forward in this, let me give you a little bit of background on how I became a choreographer. And then I'm going to discuss a little bit about the things that I actually do when I'm preparing to create a piece, usually for the stage. This would have been a different occasion to do a wedding procession. So I was actually kind of excited at the prospect of doing something different. Um, but uh, yeah, let's get back to how I got into choreography. So the first time that I decided to choreograph a piece was back in 2001 when I was attending the Kirov Academy of Ballet. Not, not the one in Russia, the one in Washington, D.C., but it was a satellite school to that, that school. Uh, two days after I moved to Washington, D.C. to begin finishing my training at this amazing school, uh, unfortunately, we had to deal with the September 11th attacks. And we weren't too far from the Pentagon, and one of the students in the school, uh, her father luckily survived, but he owned a business at one of the World Trade Center buildings. So as a community, we felt very close to the tragedy that all of the tragedies that happened on September 11th, 2001. And being young artists, we felt that we had to do something not only to express ourselves, but to also help out. So we ended up putting on a remembrance performance in honor of one uh, of a student, uh, a local student, not a student at the academy that had passed away on one of the flights that crashed, um, I believe in Pennsylvania. And... There were four of us students who were more senior, and we collaborated together and ended up putting this remembrance performance uh, together. And as a part of that, the four of us all created the choreography for this work, this this evening of works. Um, and my responsibility, aside from collaborating with a friend on a pas de deux that she mostly choreographed, was to create a solo for myself. And I began creating that solo, and about halfway through, I had choreographer's block, and it was disastrous, and I couldn't move forward, and I just ended ended up having one of my friends finish choreographing it. So at that point, I decided I wasn't a choreographer. I wrote it off and thought I would never touch it again. Um, so as I began my dance career and a couple of years passed, at, once, I, once I joined Pacific Northwest Ballet, they had an annual choreographer's workshop, which gave dancers within the company the opportunity to work at the time with dancers in the company or uh, eventually with dancers that were in the professional division of the school uh, to test their hand at making some dance work and, and seeing if it was something that they enjoyed and also to see if there was potential to continue with it further. So uh, the sign would go up every year at a certain point and I would pass by it and I don't know why it would always cross my mind maybe I should try it again but I, I didn't for quite a while. Finally uh, I believe in 2008 I don't know what came over me. I signed my name up and I went to the meeting about the choreography workshop and I remember discussing with the artistic director, Peter Bull, and saying, look, I've tried choreographing before and it didn't go very well, so I don't want to have the pressure of having to <laughs> definitely uh, continue if I start working on a piece um i want to be i want to be able to pull out if i can and he took a lot of the pressure off of me and i actually ended up having an amazing experience which really spurred the beginning of my choreographic career from there i took part in pacific northwest ballet's annual workshop which eventually was renamed the next step program uh 
each year until I left the company in 2011. So after that, I thought that I would really start to push my choreography, but uh, my freelance career as a dancer really started to take over and I started traveling nonstop. Uh, The longest I stayed in one place for almost three years was seven weeks. So choreography sort of went on the back burner and I eventually ended up uh, coming back to it after I took a little bit of time to stay at home in Philadelphia. My first venture back into choreography was uh, I was selected for the National Choreographers Initiative, which is this amazing program in uh, at the University of California, Irvine campus, and it's run by artistic director Molly Lynch, and each year during the summer, she selects four choreographers out of a massive pool of international uh, choreographers and then from there she auditions dancers from across the country who are often on their summer layoff professional dancers and she hires 16 dancers to provide uh, an open platform for choreographers to create on professionals and to do really whatever they want during this process. From there, I ended up taking over Alaska Dance Theater as their interim artistic director and did some choreography with that organization. And take and from there, I took some students uh, to compete at the Youth America Grand Prix uh, International Youth Ballet Competition. Anyway, <laughs> from there, I uh, oh during that competition, I ended up getting an Outstanding Choreographer Award, which was awarded by. Wendy Perrin, who is the former editor-in-chief of Dance Magazine. Um, And then I competed as a finalist with the Visions Choreographic Competition in Little Rock, Arkansas, and at the McCallum Theater's 18th Annual Choreography Festival in Palm Desert. This was all last year. So... uh, Beyond that, I've also done my own choreographic project, Choreography, which is a a documentary-style web series on YouTube that shares the life-defining stories of professional dancers through really revealing interviews. And after doing the interviews, we spend a week together in a studio creating uh, choreography inspired by their story. So, looking back at my experience as a choreographer, it's, it's... pretty vast. I'm, I'm currently in the mode of working towards uh, receiving company commissions and just really getting my name out there. But I do have a lot of experience in the realm of choreography. And I was really surprised after working with choreographers as a dancer for such a, a long period of time to see what actually goes into the work of creating dance. There are a lot of ways that a choreographer can come up with the inspiration for uh, a new work that they're going to create. Some choreographers start with the music, some choreographers start with the steps, and other choreographers like me, they start with some type of outside inspiration. Uh, for instance, I'm, I don't know why, but I'm obsessed with the idea uh, that everybody's mind doesn't work the same and trying to explore people that have altered perceptions, whether it be mental disease or disorder or anything like that. I'm fascinated by that. But there are many other choreographers that are inspired by experiences in their lives um, or anything along that vein uh, that can be the beginning uh, inspiration for choreography. So, 
from there, if you didn't first find your music as your inspiration, the next step of being a choreographer is to find music. I, uh, I call myself a music junkie, and I consider it a part of my job to constantly be uh, looking for for new music, whether a friend tells me to listen to something, whether I'm on YouTube listening to music, or whether I'm searching through the charts of iTunes. Every two to three weeks, I will spend about three to four hours just trying to find music that inspires me. From there, you can spend hours upon hours getting to know your music. You need to know your music inside out. You need to know what the the meter of the music is in. You want to know how you plan on counting the music. Because musicians, for instance, if you're in a 4-4 four, four meter, which means that there's four counts per measure, uh, musicians would count it 1, 2, 3, 4. But most dancers count in eights, so you would count up to eight as a choreographer. But then if you're using music that isn't that straightforward, you might have to constantly be changing how you count. And you really just need to know every count, every sound, every melody, every harmony that the music has to offer, every bass line, every... Uh, there's just so much to music, and there, there's a lot of time just spent listening to music. I will often <laughs> obsessively listen to a piece that I'm preparing to work with where I might play it on loop for hours upon hours, or I might even play the first, like a minute of music over and over and over again. From there, before you get in a studio, or even if you are preparing for something like that wedding procession that uh, was potentially going to be offered to me, you need to spend time preparing your notes for your choreography. Some choreographers go into the studio without any choreography done. Some go in with all of their choreography done, and there's everything in between. But no matter what, most good choreographers, they have notes to at least give them an idea of what they're going into the studio to prepare. I sometimes come in with choreography prepared and other times I don't. But if I don't go into the studio ready to show dancers what I've created, I will at least know the structure of the work, which means say I wanted to do a quartet, I would know that the four of them start together side by side at the front of the stage, downstage left, which is, <laughs> we can explain those in another podcast. But, uh, and then how, how those dancers move from that formation to another formation. That's what I'm talking about in prepping your notes. Then once you get into the studio, you need to take some time to get to know your dancers. I have learned through my process that if I come in and just show the dancers how I move and expect them to move in the way that I do, it doesn't always work that way. It's really a collaboration between the two of us. I need to get to know the dancers so that I can see who can mold themselves more to how I dance or how I create dance um, versus the dancers that need me to change how I create and how I move a little bit to make them look better. Because in the end, if people don't feel confident about what they're doing and if they don't look good in what they're doing, they're, it, it, you're not going to get the best piece that you could possibly have. Then beyond that, you need to rehearse the dancers, you need to imagine the atmosphere of the stage and what the lighting will look like and different cues and changes throughout all of that. Uh, and then another 
job of a choreographer is to come up with some type of concept for the costume design for the piece. So there is so much more to being a choreographer than just stepping in the studio, putting on some music, and moving your body around and telling people to mimic that. In the end, with this couple that wanted to have choreography done for their wedding, when they decided to pull out of the situation, I, I wasn't offended that they no longer wanted to uh, utilize my services or Koresha's services, because in the end, what it really comes down to is education. And that's why I'm really glad to be... Uh, to, to have the opportunity to host a, a podcast like this because it gives me an opportunity to, to help people understand why things work the way that they do. Uh, I'm sure that this man and woman, th this man and woman didn't think that there was much going on besides us showing them how to hold each other properly in a dance uh, and how, how to walk properly down an aisle and maybe some fun dance that could possibly go viral on YouTube. They probably thought we just showed up in the studio and that they were paying us for that time in the studio. As you can now understand, there is a lot more that goes into being a choreographer than just showing up. And there are many, many, many hours that need to be compensated to those choreographers for the time that they're putting into it beyond just being in person with the person that they're working with. So, as you can see, there is a lot more that goes into being a choreographer than just showing up on location and telling your dancers how to execute your vision. That's it for today's episode. As always, I hope that you enjoyed that cup of caffeinated deliciousness and for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen in and talk dance with me. If you enjoy this chat, please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and social media networks. Also, if you have a moment, check out the Premier Dance Network's other podcasts. Balancing Point, hosted by Kimberly Falker, Ask Megan, hosted by New York City Ballet Principal Megan Fairchild, and Becoming Ballet, hosted by a handful of young dancers that are on the verge of a professional career. If you're interested in seeing some of my choreography, you can check out my website, www.barrycorollis, that's B-A-R-R-Y-K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S.com, or you can search me uh, on YouTube and find my channel there. Additionally, if you go to my Libsyn page, which is where my podcast downloads originate, you can find links to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Additionally, if you're interested in checking out my writings on working as a freelance choreographer, instructor, and dancer, you can sub subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer. Lastly, if there are any topics you would like to hear me chat about, or if you would like to become a sponsor for this podcast, you can reach me via the contact page on my website. As always, thanks for listening, and remember to go out and support your local dance scene.